Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. If you come, I will answer. If you follow, Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email, addre- email address is talkback at issuesetc.org. And the Issues Etc. listener comment line is 618-223-8382. Let's begin with some feedback on yesterday's review of Luther's Large Catechism with Annotations and Contemporary Applications from Dr. Jordan Cooper. Hi, this is John from Detroit, Michigan calling regarding the recent segment with Dr. Cooper and the new version of Luther's large catechism. A quote from Ronald Reagan comes to mind. If you're explaining, you're losing. I know that regards politics and not theology, but it took a lot of explaining to put the best construction on some of the essays within the new large catechism. He definitely makes the case it's not a large cataclysm, as some may say. But, yeah, not convinced. If we remember when the reader's edition of the Book of Concord came out, it seems that was the gold standard. So why would we try to replace it? And especially with so many kind of weak points within the essays and um, um, et cetera within this book. So that's my comment. Good job from Dr. Cooper, but at the same time, he had to do a lot of explaining to make the case that this thing is okay. And in the end, I'm not even sure that he gives a ringing endorsement of it. I think quite the opposite. Well, let's answer those questions in the order that they came. First of all, why was this edition of the Large Catechism produced? It came out of two convention resolutions, two separate conventions, the first one in 2013, where the convention charged the Commission on Theology and Church Relations and the President's Office of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate to work together to revise and publish a new edition of the Small Catechism with Explanations. That's the standard teaching tool for our congregations. By the way, if your congregation doesn't use the Small Catechism to teach the faith, it's not a Lutheran congregation. It's a good test. That was published in 2017, and that was the priority because that's the resource that the congregations of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod are supposed to use in teaching the youth and adults. So that was published in 2017 in response to that 2013 convention resolution. It also, that resolution also tasked the Commission on Theology and Church Relations and the President's Office with producing a annotated edition of the large catechism. Now, later in the subsequent convention in 2016, there was another resolution that was encouraging the use of the large catechism in congregations. So this was a response to two separate resolutions. 
It is not intended, never was intended to be a replacement for what you mentioned there, the reader's edition of the Lutheran Confessions. Never intended to be a replacement. The text of the two, I believe, with regard to the large catechism's text itself, the confessional part of it, identical. So it does not replace the large catechism in, in any sense. It's simply responding to that resolution that they have an annotated uh, and kind of ap- applied edition of the large catechism, trying to help, exactly as they say in the preface to the thing, help pastors instruct their congregations with application to contemporary issues that they're facing in their everyday lives. So it was not intended to be a replacement. You had two other points that you made in there. and One is that you thought it took too long for Dr. Cooper to explain the the context of the some of the statements in the in those essays that have been on social media largely out of context thrown out there to level charges of social justice warrior rhetoric and critical race theory and other things first dr cooper had to explain the objection that he was responding to he was doing what cooper does very very well dr cooper is really good at this He tries to understand his opponent or the person that he's arguing against or responding. He tries to understand them thoroughly on their own terms. Now, if you listen to that again, you're going to hear him do this over and over and over again, trying to understand where that concern came from. He did not dismiss the concern. He tried to understand where it was coming from. Then he had to deal with the particular verbiage that was allegedly objectionable. Then he had to provide the context from the entire essay to say, is this really what this author is saying, given the entire context? He had to provide sections from the essay saying, it's very evident from what he said before here or after here, that that's not what he meant. So he had to provide all that. And that does take a little time. It's called thorough scholarship. That's what it's called. He began by first defining what is critical race theory. Sure. we asked him that question, we don't assume what our listeners knew. No. So, yes, it did take some time, but this is a serious matter. This is a, there have been very serious allegations made about the document. And so you take your time in understanding the allegations, understanding what those concerns are, seeing if they fit with the entire context of the essay in question, and then drawing some conclusions. So it's going to take some time to do that. Now, as to whether or not Dr. Cooper endorses the document. That was not the purpose of our, of our conversation. We were not seeking an endorsement or a non-endorsement from Dr. Cooper. We just wanted someone who'd read the book, someone who has the theological acumen to understand what's being written there and is willing to sit down and say, are these uh, allegations against this author, are they true or not? So, I think if you listen to the first part of the interview that dealt with the essay on the third commandment written by Dr. Stephen Paulson, I think you'd come to the conclusion that at least with respect to that particular essay, Dr. Cooper could not give any kind of an endorsement whatsoever. That has been and always has been my biggest question about this uh, new edition. And I think Dr. Cooper's biggest question about this new edition. And as I said yesterday, the fact that there was so many criticisms flying around about this large catechism edition that missed the biggest problem comes from the fact that many of those criticisms are coming from people who haven't read the book. More on the new 
resource. Diane, I listened with interest to your interview with Dr. Jordan Cooper yesterday. All I can say is how much the sainted Reverend Paul McCain is missed on issues, etc. He would not have let the new book on Luther's large catechism be published if there were doctrinal errors in it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback, Diane. Well, a couple points there. I believe if I have my timeline correct, Paul was still alive when this thing was in the works. And knowing Paul, he was probably very carefully following, at least from a distance, following its production. So he did not have a hand, to my knowledge, in any of its contents because he was going to act merely as the print publisher. He wasn't going to have anything to do with saying, I want this essay here, I want this changed. He had no editorial authority over the document whatsoever when it was being produced. That editorial authority, as far as I can tell, because of those two convention resolutions, lies with the CTCR, the Commission on Theology and Church Relations, and the Office of the President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I think both of those entities could exercise editorial control over those things. Now, even if he were still alive, I don't think Paul would have the authority to stop it because this was a convention resolution, and in that case, Concordia Publishing House, for whom Paul worked as editorial, is charged by Synod to publish what the CTCR gives them. Now, If someone asked him, do you think we should include an essay by Stephen Paulson allowing him to write, of all things, on the third commandment, which deals explicitly with the handling of God's word. Now, Paulson is a guy who does not believe in inerrancy, and he does not have a unconditional subscription to the Lutheran confessions. It's a conditional subscription. Having someone write an essay on the commandment pertaining to God's word I think Paul would have, he wouldn't have been able to officially stop it, but I'm sure he, knowing Paul, he would have made a few phone calls and done everything he could unofficially to see to it that that essay would be written by somebody else. Someone with a impeccable Lutheran pedigree, like many of the other authors in the volume, but he could not put the kibosh on it. And in the end, over his objections, it would have been published. He would have said, I, I have to do this. I am constitutionally bound to do this. Let's go to David in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you for the interview yesterday with Dr. Jordan Cooper. It was very helpful for me in seeing what is askew and what is very beneficial in the large catechism with annotations. Of course, I've been very critical of Stephen Paulson's essay being included and being one who has kept his eye on the critical race theory goings on. I was one of those who may have raised my ire by the social justice remarks in a couple of the essays. Yet Dr. Cooper's and your cautions to look at everything in context are very helpful to know what's actually being said. To top it off, your discussion of Dr. Bierman's article helped my decision to get the large catechism with annotation a high priority. After all, I want to read what's there, not just the bits and pieces I've seen so far. God bless, and again, thanks for continuing to defend the faith and teach the truth. And thank you for listening in Fort Wayne, Indiana, David. David, thank you very much. Uh, Happy to do that for you. I completely understand, because I'm one of the most cynical people in the world, I completely understand how, at first glance, some of the things that were, that were stated, some of the, the, in particular, kind of the buzzwords that were used in some of the essays, would raise at least a, a red flag. Okay, I completely understand that. And that's one of the things that Dr. Cooper dealt with early in our review yesterday. He spoke, in essence, not his words, but my words, about the imprecision of some of the language. He said, this does not read like a document written for pastors. It reads like a document written for lay people, which is fine. That's absolutely fine. But 
we all have to be aware of the context in which we write. So I, I have to be aware that if I use the word, this is not used in the, in the catechism as far as I know, or in the essays. If I use the word inclusive nowadays, that is a word ripe for misinterpretation. It has a proper use. I am not one of these who says, well, we can't use those anymore because the left have stolen them from us. Who's winning the culture war here? I mean, if we concede our language or the language to the left, and just because the left uses a word, we don't use it anymore. That's a concession. That's retreat. And the church is never in retreat. The church is always advancing in the world. So we don't concede those words, but we will have to explain ourselves or we will have to find a way of saying, I'm using this word, let's say inclusive, in its classical sense, not in the way that it has been hijacked by progressives. And we have to offer that explanation, given because we live in a context, people read in a context, and so there's nothing that can be stated so clearly that cannot be completely misunderstood. So we need to be conscious of the words we use and that some of these are buzzwords and they stand out and they are red flags to many people and uh, an author has to be aware of that. The old theologians used to get around it by just writing with impeccable theological precision and using theological words that were not open to misinterpretation. But those have to sometimes be translated. When we come back, we're going to go through some more listener email, the issues, etc. comment line on this Thursday, February the 9th. Stay tuned. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. One of the most difficult decisions that a spouse has to make is the decision to put their beloved husband or wife into a long-term care facility as a result of mental illness. In the February issue of The Lutheran Witness, the Reverend Michael Casting tells the story of how he cared for his wife during her struggle with Alzheimer's and how he came to grips with this decision. To find out more, you can read his article in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with woes to Pharisees and lawyers, the leaven of the Pharisees, no fear, the rich fool, and do not be anxious. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, 
J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org. J-Krause at M-E-L-H-S dot org. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ Lutheran, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Faith Lutheran, Waterloo, Iowa. Gloria Day Lutheran, Davie, Florida. Lutheran Church of Our Savior, Cupertino, California. Logos Lutheran, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming. St. John Lutheran, Hutchinson, Minnesota. St. Paul Lutheran, Hillsdale, Michigan. Trinity Lutheran, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Zion Lutheran, Pampa, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Here are some upcoming themes for the Lutheran Witness magazine, Understanding the Spiritual Nuns, Death and Resurrection, Church Planting, Ancient and Modern Heresies, Christian Apologetics, Biblical Archaeology, and more. You can receive an annual print and digital subscription to the Lutheran Witness magazine for less than $20. Learn more at cph.org slash witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, Interpreting the World from a Lutheran Perspective, the Lutheran Witness magazine. We're going through listener email and the issues, et cetera, comment line. I'm looking through my hard copy of the Luther's Large Catechism with annotations and contemporary applications. Hey, where'd you get that? You've got one, too. Yeah. I know you, had to, you had to use a digital one. We just got them in today. The hard oh, we copies. just got them in today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Wolf Miller, Brian Wolf Miller, Peter Bender, Gene Edward Veith, Angus Manuge, Jim Busher. It's a who's who of Joel Bierman. It's a who's who of issues, et cetera, guess in these essays. It's very impressive. Larry Rass. Tom Eggers in there. Chuck Geeshan. It's worth, despite the Paulson essay. Yeah. And look, even if the Paulson essay doesn't get pulled in some second edition or something, I hope that it is because I don't think that was a great idea. It was either ill-advised or it's something that slipped by. I don't know. But even if it doesn't, I think our pastors and our lay people can say, look, we're going to talk about the third command, but we're, but we're not going to use this essay here. We're not going to use this one because this guy doesn't belong in here. You know, you can do that. You can actually do that. You don't have to, if you're going to teach it. So people who know me know that the very problem with Steve Paulson's theology is in his, is in two things, his rejection of some of the cardinal teachings of the Christian faith and how that takes his quote-unquote Lutheran lexicon and redefines everything. And I think we demonstrated that amply uh, yesterday with Dr. Cooper. But it's still a useful volume. There's still much good stuff in there. The stuff that I highly commend <laughs> without qualification whatsoever to anybody who picks it up is the actual large catechism, the text of the large catechism. You can trust every word in there. Take the essays that follow, as you would with anything, that is of a non-confessional, uh, not unconfessional, but a non-confessional status. Take them as good counsel, as 
a wise exposition of these things. And if you find something in there that is objectionable, then object to it. That's how it works. So it's as we would do with almost any, any work that we have. You pick up any book and you find and a theology book and you say, well, uh, this is good. I'm not sure about this part. I'm not saying spit the bones and I'm not saying let fundamental errors that undermine the entire gospel exist in those works. But I think what you find here is many of these criticisms are overblown or exaggerated or in some cases entirely non-existent. After the break, we're going to change gears. We're going to talk about an email about Jeff's driving. Oh, yeah. That's a problem. That's a real problem that needs some correction, needs some doctrinal review. We'll be right back. I'm coming home You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Tennessee is one of the most beautiful places in the USA. And at Praise Lutheran, you'll find the most beautiful gospel. God saving sinners through the death and resurrection of His Son for you, given faithfully each Sunday in word and sacrament. Praise Lutheran is a confessional liturgical church located in Maryville, Tennessee, right in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. We're growing, but there's always room for you. Visit us online at praiselutheran.com. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Going through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line on this Thursday, February the 9th. A little bit later, Dr. John Bombaro joins us to talk about the new tolerance ethic. As you're well aware, I served a six-year term on the Commission on Theology and Church Relations. I was well aware of that. And I thought, put myself in that room, had this publication been brought to my attention, and I would have fought diligently against allowing Dr. Paulson to write a chapter. But certainly... Certainly not to write a chapter on the third commandment. If he's going to write something, and I would be opposed to him writing a chapter at all. You know why? For the good of our church. People knew, some people knew this was going to be a lightning rod. For the good of our church, I would have confessed and spoken out against allowing him to write 
as important on the third commandment. A guy who does not affirm inerrancy and inspiration. Give him thou shalt not steal. Give him the last two. Thou shalt not covet. But the commandment which deals with the word of God for the good of our church should never have been allowed to be published. So I got one more thought on this, and that is, this is not about the controversy after its first publication. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the fact that Paulson's essay was allowed through it all. And I do not know how it happened, so I'm not trying to lay any particular blame at anyone's doorstep. I do not know how it happened. The apostle says, our God is not a God of confusion, but of order. And he's talking in there about the, in the context of worship. He does not want a confused worship, and he doesn't want confusion. He's not a God of confusion. And doctrinal confusion, that is not knowing what's being taught, not being sure of what's being said, being confused or confusing the laity is a terrible thing in the church. This is why, as, as I was saying before the break, this is why theologians tend try to speak with, with as precise language as they possibly can. Sticking to biblical language, sticking to the theological language that the church has handed down to us, the confessional language that we have as Lutherans. This is why we don't make up new words. It's why we don't turn verbs into nouns and nouns into verbs. It's why we don't try to get clever. Theologians always go wrong when they try to be clever. They always do. Or if they try and come up with something new. Why is it a bad idea? Because it produces confusion. And that's my biggest concern about the inclusion of that essay, is that it will produce confusion in those who are taught using it. And if the laity find, were to find out, say, wow, guess what? This guy is really not a Lutheran in any sense of the word. It will confuse them about the teachers of the church. And this is something we simply cannot afford. The world is always going to be a place of confusion. And the world is always going to be confused by the church's message. I'm talking about teaching the faithful, where there should be no confusion whatsoever. None whatsoever. Avoid it at all costs. When we're writing, when we're speaking, speak in such a way so as not to be confusing and I'm not talking just about the lay people. I'm talking about pastors get as confused as anybody else. This is not the purpose of our enterprise here. So that's my biggest concern. And it has nothing to do with the controversy that has followed this uh, book. It has to do with somehow an author for that essay, and you're right, Jeff, of all things to write about uh, the commandment pertaining to the word of God. A writer for that essay, could they, that could that there are, Hundreds, nay, thousands of others who could have written this without causing any confusion, without introducing into the volume an author who did not belong there at all because of his denial of some of the cardinal truths of the Christian faith. But what do I know? I'm just a stupid layperson, not a professional academic. Here's an email from Paul regards to our February 2nd listener email program. Why does Jeff drive this way? mentioned before, and why does Pastor Wilkin and the rest of staff put up with the situation? Our last listener email, you talk about, you shared some of your driving experiences with me on road trips for the last 
what, more than two decades? <laughs> Are potential other drivers and pastors in a wreck considered? Can Lutheran Public Radio survive without Jeff and Pastor Wilkin? Is the behavior in question fitting with responsibility to LPR families, the LCMS, and to 21st century Christianity? Was the Lutheran Hour as effective after the death of Walter A. Meyer in 1950? Suggest asking the assistant pastor of St. Paul Hamill, Jeff's pastor, to review commandments 457 with him. Should Jeff not drive to and from Concordia University Chicago for the Making the Case conference? Have a responsible mover, maybe an LCMS man from St. Louis area, take the program apparatus from A to B and back. Put Jeff on Trans Cornfield Airlines to O'Hare, rent a car there, TCA on his trip back, LPR can afford it, current driving methods and attitudes it cannot. Thanks for your concern. Thanks for listening, Paul. I like the idea of getting somebody to drive us. That's That would be nice. You know what we need? We need a jet. <laughs> we could have Chris Lemker yeah, of Church Music Solutions. That's what we ought you to know, do. Like the televan. Although I tell you what, you know, we're far, we're far, I'm sure Chris is a great pilot, but we're far less likely to survive a plane crash than we are. You know, I don't want a Buddy Holly, the big bopper moment here where the whole thing goes down in flames, literally, but it would probably be much safer than, than having, you just have somebody drive us. Somebody drives the big gigantic van and Jeff can sit in one of the passenger seats and, and do what he does normally, which is just work all day long. I think it's a really good idea. It's an easy solution too. On the subject of tragic airplane crashes, had the rock group Leonard Skinner not died at a young age, where do you think they would rank on greatest of all bands? Oh, that's that's... I think it's pretty safe to say that they would be among the most legendary of kind of their their rock is not how would you classify it southern rock it's southern yeah, rock that's yeah good, that's Greg. good that's a good category it's southern rock and I think they would be they already are legendary okay they already are but had they gone on to make albums and more albums who knows that would have been fantastic Susan and for I, those of you who don't know what Leonard Skinner is, it was a Southern rock band in the 1970s. When did they, when did they end their lives? I can't remember. Well, it had to be going from the 60s into the 70s. Yeah. The, the terrible and, uh, thing about that tragedy is they had just all gotten clean. You know, they yes. were all just clean. And so, so I, I'm trying to remember some of their hits. Sweet Home, Sweet Home Alabama. Alabama. So if you know that song, you know Leonard Skinner. They had a very distinctive sound. Free Bird, mm -hmm. Simple Man. Tuesday's gone. Give me three steps. Give me three yep. steps. Give me back my bullets. That smell. Working for MCA. Yep. So they were producing a lot of hits. They were producing a lot of hits, and they were, man, that was fantastic. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. <laughs> we're getting Bell-bottom jeans and long hair and scraggly beards. It's all coming back. Yeah. It's all coming back. Susan writes, I'm unable to load the podcast in the morning. I hope you can get them running soon. Keep up the good work. God bless. Is that when? When did that one come in? That was February seventh. Okay, so th earlier this week we have been experiencing some. We believe it's server problems. We don't have our server here. That's it would be cost prohibitive to actually have our own server here. We are uh, we have a server through a, a big server company, and that's what hosts our website and all of our web presence there, and. We believe we might be taxing the limits of our allotted RAM on our virtual private server. 
because we've had to restart the thing a couple of times. And uh, we're in consultation with our IT consultants as to what would be a good balance because you can slide up the RAM and spend as much as you want. What would be a good balance to help so- solve that problem? So, if, And if you're having any trouble accessing the website at any time of day or night, do not hesitate. Talk back at issueztc.org and let us know that you're having trouble. Hi, I was uh, listening to the podcast on the canon of scripture with Dr. Stephen Parks and I got confused. I was just wondering, don't we believe that the church determines what the canon of scripture is? Thanks. That's a very good question. The church does not determine what the canon of scripture is. The term that the church, I think the better term is recognizes what the canon of scripture is. And this is not a, you know, nice, neat process. This is a process that over the centuries of the early church, there were the originals, of course, and then, the, and then the many, many copies of the writings of, let's just talk about the New Testament, because the Old Testament canon is something that, it's a whole different conversation, the New Testament. The canon exists in a literal bound form. We're not talking about all the books bound together, but many of the books bound together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as a book, a codex, making the rounds to congregations. And I think that Dr. Craig Evans makes an excellent point that the originals of the Pauline letters or the Gospels, the originals, and even the first and second generation copies of those were safely guarded and were used as the touchstone for any additional copies. This notion that you have the original, then someone copied it, and then the original somehow just gets thrown away. And then you're just copying copies is not the way it worked. The the originals were around for a while. And were safeguarded, were used as, as the source material for any further copies. And it's, so it wasn't like they were making a copy and then a copy of a copy. They were copying from the originals in most cases. So these things are traveling around together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the epistles of Paul maybe travel around together. Then there are some books that never travel around the church. And they don't travel together. You don't get, get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the Gospel of Thomas traveling together. It just doesn't happen. They're not bound together because they don't belong together. And the church at some point said, what will be the accepted scriptures among us? They did do this at some point, rather late, in fact. But that doesn't mean they were kind of picking and choosing. They were saying, which are these things that have apostolic attestation? We will take the four gospels. We will take the epistles of Paul and the other apostolic writings. And we will receive them as the canon of scripture recognize them as a canon of scripture. This is not a pick and choose. I like this one. You don't know we're going to vote on it. No, none of that. It is simply recognizing that these things, these writings that are, that have been handed down to us are in fact of apostolic origin. So this is why, and this is a very important point. This is why when the Lutheran confessions talk about the Bible or scripture, they more often refer to the prophetic and apostolic scriptures. And what they mean is the old and the new Testament. So they rightly understand that the canon is determined by its prophetic or its apostolic nature and origin rather than the church sitting down one day and saying, hey, you know, maybe we should just come up with a Bible. Well, which, which, which of these are we going to pick? That's not how it happens. So the church does not determine, but it does recognize in history the canon of Scripture. That's very different from the Roman Catholic claim, which is ahistorical. 
Here's an email from Susan. Our church will be submitting nominations this week for leadership positions, president and vice presidents of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. I told my husband he could find information about this on your website. Could you please remind me where this information is? Issuesetc.org slash 2023. That's 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. That'll get you to the page where you can see our recommended candidates there, nominees there, and links to not only the synodical process for making those nominations official, but also a DIY video that walks you through that process. It's a little complicated this year that walks you through that process step by step so that you, when you sit down, you can actually follow the steps and bing bong, you will have nominated somebody. Every Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregation has received a snail mail letter probably back in October of last year, if I'm not mistaken, that gives you the credentialing material that you need in order to put in your nomination. Time's running out. February 28th is the deadline. Today's the 9th. So by my math, that's only 19 days left. So the minute you listen to this podcast... Immediately, contact your pastor, contact anybody in church leadership, and say, hey, have we submitted our nominations for president and vice presidents of our beloved church body? Time is of the essence. It's 19 days, folks. Don't procrastinate. Go to issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. And if anybody... You know, thanks. That doesn't matter. Okay, let's go back to the large catechism. If we did not have the synodical leadership that we've had for the last 13 years, and let's just say the old leadership, in some form or another, was still in charge of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, what do you think those essays in that large catechism would be like? It wouldn't have looked like a who's who of issues, et cetera, I guess, I can assure you. <laughs> no, it would not. And it would probably be far more egregious than it is. So leadership matters. Results are never perfect, but leadership matters. Now, this email was written before our interview with Dr. Jordan Cooper yesterday. It's a quote from Hamilton Wright Maybe, M-A-B-I-E. I bet Deaconess probably knows. Probably some literary giant that I wasn't told about in public high schools or college. The quote is, don't be afraid of opposition. Remember, a kite rises against it, not with the wind. Profound. I like that quote. Like but that. again, this, this was, and thank you, Kathy, for sending that, but this was before our interview <laughs> with Dr. Jordan Cooper. <laughs> so she I don't know if she still, she affirmed, just, still applies this quote to us. Well, she, I think she, uh, she may have just been a little prescient in her application of that quote. Thank you very much. Yes, it's true. And look, the opposition, if you try and stick with the truth, you're never going to make everybody happy. That's just the way it is. And that's what we're trying to do as much as we possibly can. When we come back, Dr. John Bombaro joins us. If you've noticed that the modern tolerance is actually very intolerant, you'll want to listen. Never been as easy as today, and it would make me 
Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. What is mental health? The February issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up this question of mental health with contributions from the LCMS Task Force on Mental Health, which is tasked with providing resources for Lutheran church workers to better care for their own mental health and those entrusted to their care. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Confessional Lutherans, we've got your back. You're listening to Issues Etc. Are you tired of those who change their Christian confession because they are ashamed of what they are called to believe in today's world? Scripture is clear on issues which many would like to claim are cultural, but have no place in God's church. We at Zion Lutheran in Barris, Wisconsin, and St. Peter Lutheran Clintonville are not embarrassed to boldly confess that Scripture is God's revelation of His Christ, our Savior, the only peace, comfort, and hope in our fallen world. It's why we gather each week to receive Him who comes to us in word and sacrament. For service times, visit zionstpe.com. Greetings, fellow Lutherans. Ad Crucem has an amazing number of new products on the website. Come and see our new Sunday School or Confirmation medallions featuring the six chief parts and Luther's seal. Browse our stunning incense burners and their engraved solid wood boxes. Purchase Kathy and Kelly's beautiful new jewellery for your beloved for Valentine's Day or order some personalised stickers for your church or school. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.